Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. Check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code UNDERMINE for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code UNDERMINE for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year And to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This is Undermine Presents We've Got a Band, the podcast where fish fans talk to fish fans who have bands. I'm your host, James Dell. And I'm Gabrielle Bluestone. And this week on the podcast, we have a very special guest, Aaron Ralston. For the diehard fish fans out there, you probably recognize him from raging out in the front row without a shirt on most shows. We uh, were fortunate enough to witness it in Mexico when we scored early entry tickets, uh, which is how we met Aaron and invited him on the podcast. So we will be reliving those Mexico shows a bit. But for everyone else, um, you probably know Aaron from having his life story told in the film 127 Hours, the Oscar-nominated movie uh, where he was played by James Franco, famously wearing a fish shirt uh, that Aaron actually designed specially for the movie. And we're going to go into what exactly happened that day uh, when he fell into the crevasse and had to cut his arm off. Probably the most uh, surprising thing to me was he was listening to a fish song when that happened. And not only was he listening to that song, he can still listen to it and not feel traumatized, uh, which I think is wild. When I hear it now, I get traumatized just from hearing the story. We had a really great conversation with Aaron. We go all over the place with this. Um, Aaron is such a thoughtful 
interesting person who has been through so much and gotten so much out of these life experiences, um, whether it is, you know, going back hiking, not giving up, whether it's the vision that he had in his head that actually wildly enough, Trey echoed when he met him. Oh, that was crazy. That's honestly the craziest thing I think that happened in this entire podcast series was realizing that the thing that Trey picked up on, I wouldn't say what it is, you gotta listen, but like there's there's a little clairvoyance there between kind of a major fan and, and what Trey was kind of picking up on and, and what kept Aaron going. And I just, I think it's amazing. It just shows the connection that the band really has. Uh, with its fans. Yeah, this is a really special episode and we're so excited for you guys to hear it. Without further ado. This is Undermine Presents. We've got a band episode three with Aaron Ralston. Sponsored by Section 119. Welcome, Aaron. Yeah, hi. <laughs> Good to spend some time with you guys. How did it all start for you? What was What got you into fish? What was your first show? You know, it was my high school friends, uh, and this was back, uh, I, I probably first, I, I think it was 1993, and, and you know, a friend's basement uh, with parents upstairs not knowing what we were doing with the, the record player. It was literally like a, 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 one of my friends had, had the Junta, like double LP, and uh, Fee was the very first fish song that I ever heard. Um, and that that um, the, the silliness of it appealed to me just immediately. The storytelling, the it it, uh, it was like, whoa, this is this is not you know pop music. Of course, that was always their intent was to do something that was not pop music. Uh, that it it just it, it it caught that little that same place in in my heart, my soul. That you know, like The Simpsons, uh, like stimulated, you know, tickled and. Um, and when I, I finally got a chance, uh, you know, it was an extra ticket, summer 94, Red Rocks, uh, that got to go with those same high school friends. And they, Fishman, I mean, the one memory I have of that show is Fishman coming out with the vacuum cleaner. And they did a song from the <laughs> Jungle Book soundtrack, which by that time I had gone to college. And, and if this you know, isn't too vulnerable to share, but I'd made a mixtape for myself uh, of uh, that included several songs off of uh, the album of music from Disney's The Jungle Book, which included "I Want to Walk Like You." And so, like out of like the half dozen tapes that I took to to college with me, that that was a, a song that was out there that I loved. Like I just I just love silliness like that. And they're playing it with a vacuum cleaner, and I was in love. Um, and of course, you know the then understanding like, Oh, and every concert is different and you can record them and you can trade them. And it's just like, uh, I, I dove in deep. Um, it, my, my first experiences on the internet were on rec music fish, you know, doing the tape trading and eventually CD trading. Um, you know, just reading about the set list. And, uh, it, it was, it was part of, um, I mean, reading reviews like these are the. I still remember like Charlie Dirksen uh, would write a lot of reviews, especially like Mike's song was one of my favorites, and he he had this uh, like kind of before we called them blogs, but uh, just like reports of uh, every Mike song that the band had ever played, and and, you know discussing them and ranking them, and 
uh, rating and, and like it just is one of those things um, that when there's a, a vastness of information and experience to 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 like just subsume you and that you, you you go in even deeper because uh, the deeper in you go the more there is and the <laughs> and, you know all of a sudden it's <laughs> gosh almost 30 years later here so <laughs> that's, that's careful kids it's or find it yeah right exactly i mean and that's that's how I, like i graduated uh, i mean i was somebody who'd been very academically keen and astute at the top of my class in high school and college and then went on to work at a big corporation and and yet like fish was this thing that's that said like i can have this this identity uh, apart from you know oh the the guy that that dresses up and and goes to work in a cubicle like office space wise (laughs) um that i i when everybody else would do like casual Friday kind of thing. And I'd, I'd wear my tie dye, my, my fish t-shirts, uh, and I had long stringy hair and I was like, well, you might own me from <laughs> nine to five, but you don't, you don't own me. <laughs> uh, and it, it, uh, it just, it even, I don't know, eventually though, it led to my downfall in, in terms of corporate employment because <laughs> I, I got to where I was, I was traveling. I spent all my time at work just planning how I was going to go on tour again. And you know, I'm sure a lot of folks out there can relate to that. And that, uh, that, that, that might work for a little while. And then you realize that, yeah, I got, I'm going to have to change my, <laughs> change my conditions to meet my lifestyle a little bit. And that was when I quit my career and ended up moving up to, to Colorado and, um, or back to Colorado, I should say, and uh, you know, music was a big part of that transition too. It was uh, actually lyrics uh, to to a string cheese song that inspired me to quit my job and to like say, yeah, you, you can drink their wine, but you, you don't have to do what they tell you. Uh, it's uh, it was it was time for me to to start a, a new life, and and then that was ultimately how I ended up uh, kind of walking out into the canyon and in 2003 and having my experience with my amputation and um and it was you know at that point like i was listening to to fish all the time when i was in the outdoors it was my constant companion whether it was a bike ride or a run a a trail hike a mountain climb Uh, i was climbing mountains in the winter time solo uh, up to about 14,000 feet uh, and and my, my CD Walkman with, you know, the triple bass boost and, and you know, carrying a, a, a wad of extra batteries to keep it going. And so I'd be out for a, a 12, 14 hour climb and, and you know, in sometimes the middle of a blizzard, like popping open my Walkman to, to stick a new CD in and, um, yeah, keep, keep the tunes flowing as I, as it kept motivating me up and down a mountain. Uh, it's, uh, yeah. No, that was, I guess, you know, touching on like kind of fish fan <laughs> celebrities. I guess that's that's how people know me in yeah. a lot of ways. The guy that cut his arm off and and and, and fish was right there with me <laughs> even into the moment when I pulled that boulder on my arm. I was I was listening to a, a show from uh, that had happened just a, a couple months before a friend's birthday, uh, February fifteenth, two thousand three. Uh, we'd all been together at the Thomas and Mac uh, down in uh, Las Vegas. And uh, I'd had that second set playing, and it was um, 
I write in the middle of ghost, uh, this like shredding guitar. It's a, it's a really outstanding ghost. And, and, and so like I, I pull the rock down and, and all of a sudden the, I'm, I'm trapped and, um, in this deathly terrifying situation. Uh, and as, as the panic and the adrenaline are all, all running, eventually the, the CD runs out at the, at the end after uh, Harry hood, he was a, like a, a five song set. Um, and, and the, like I come to this moment of, of, of quiet at the same time that the crowd goes crazy at the end of the show. And it's, and the surrealness of being in this, this situation and hearing like, and then just like, yeah. And, and just, then just the desert and me and um, yeah, it, the dissonance was, was profound. Uh, but uh that that the music it's it's always it you know it's it's always been there uh for me and and those those times that i've connected uh in the outdoors i mean it brings me to to tears uh drops me to my knees even uh where uh, yeah like a, a memory or just a a, a synchrony you know, that I'm, I'm hiking down a trail i or um four years ago uh yeah coming down and uh the song drift while you're sleeping was was pretty new in the in the fish repertoire i, I was listening it actually hadn't even been played by by fish at that point um and uh i'd, I'd seen ghosts of the forest and and so i was listening to uh, um to the show that i'd been at at the, at the greek theater um took my my little daughter who i think was all of like uh four and a half maybe at that time. And uh, yeah, she loved, I mean, you know, all the people who had parasols that they turned into ghosts and walking around with the like, you know, sparkly lights after dark and glowing, glowing the dark stuff. And she's just like, you know, Oh, the eye candy was, she was all about it. Um, <laughs> but that, uh, I was, I was hiking down and it was a very poignant time. Um, my dad had been diagnosed with cancer, uh, pancreatic cancer it was terminal. We had spent a lot of time together, it was toward the end. We'd just the day before that um, gone to, to look at, uh, you know, hospice homes was essentially where he would he would spend his his final days, weeks, months. Who knows really, you know, how long it's going to be. Um, but as it turned out, I'm coming down from skiing a, a 14,000 foot mountain, coming down this trail, listening to the drift while you're sleeping. I look out through the golden backlit uh, aspen leaves at, at, at that point. And uh, the the lyrics, uh, you know, the, that we move through this together, uh, that love will carry us through, you know, that despite all the stormy weather, you know, like that 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 was, it, it just it felled me. It made me want to to have that experience with my dad, and, to, and so I went home and and I was able to share about that, and he ended up dying uh, just the next morning um, after I got back to him. And wow. it's, it's, it's something that, you know, the highest of highs, sometimes the lowest of lows that, that fish their music, the community, the, the friendship, the love that it's like, yeah, my, my life is, is interwoven inextricably with, uh, with this, uh, yeah, this, yeah, this, this band and, and, <laughs> and what they, <laughs> what they give to us. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, in, I'm a little weepy there, but uh, I just yeah. uh, Me too, man. That that is such a beautiful story. Like I, 
I, it, I, mean, I assume you saw the, the documentary yeah. uh, between yeah. me and my mind. And, of course. You know, it's, I, I, it's about yeah, that, I was, you know, yeah. and so, yeah, right. Yeah. And you watch that and it's hard not to, you know, feel connected to them. And then, of course, we always want to make those connections to our own life. And because it's such a great universe of music and feeling and love and all of these themes that really do, I think, encapsulate kind of the full spectrum of what it is to be human. Like, I don't know. It's I people think. People make fun of me because I get emotional mm. about fish, but this is why I get emotional about fish. It's because, yeah, the songs are good and I like dancing at shows, but like those songs become a soundtrack that are profound. Okay. And if you could share that with other people, that's what it's really all about. I thank you for sharing that story. That is that is a lot, man. But it it's again the, this experience. Like you know, it, it takes all types and and the. It's it's a big tent for us, uh, or a big boat, I guess, as, as the band might say. <laughs> uh. So I think kind of piggybacking off what you guys are saying, mm. like one of the things that I love about this band and about, you know, these constant experiences, hearing the song in different ways, you know, you remember where you were, you know, songs take on new meaning mm-hmm. if you're with the right people or in the right experience. And, you know, to this day, like I can't hear anything off Fuego without thinking about that summer. I think it was like summer of 2014 mm. or 15. And the guy I was seeing, you know, it's like inextricably wrapped mm-hmm. up in those memories. Um, and I'm curious, like, can you hear ghost now? Like, or oh, yeah. does that bring that back? Oh, like, what is that like for yeah, you? It's still one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, and there was a really good one from Atlantic City last year. Uh, that, uh, yeah, I, 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 um, I mean, there, there are definitely songs with with certain standout versions that that uh, that kind of you know that uh, I'm anchored in that um, in that moment, uh, or that you know, I, I, I guess I'm just over 200 shows at this point. And so, you know, a lot of experiences, uh, that, that layer on top of each other. And, um, and, and yet, yeah, there's still, there's still, um, moments, songs, uh, either from a, from a concert or from like listening to a concert again later, uh, that are, that are imprinted. And, and, and so, uh, that's, that's part of the, gosh, the, the beauty, uh, that I think, uh, especially non-fans, um, you know, puzzle about like, wait, how can you go see the same band like four nights in a row, let alone like what 200 shows in, in, a, in, in your lifetime. Like, and I, you know, I, I personally am close with folks who have seen 500 shows and, and, and even upwards of a thousand. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, um, wow. and that it just gives that much, it, it, again, it's this thing like that, the richness of the experience, the more you invest in it, that the, the more that it, it gives, gives to you, that it gives back to you, that, um, that it becomes, uh, uh, yeah, again, this touch point that, so when you're, you're at a show and, and they're playing a song, it, it, you're, you're listening, of course, not just to the song that they're playing, but in some ways, like all the other versions of this song and all the other experiences you've had that connect with that. Uh, and that's, uh, that's even a more profound experience. Like, yeah, like that. Now, now some songs better than others. I, I got to admit, like when they played heavy things in Mexico, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm thrown back to uh, big Cypress. And, and when they, they turned on the lights and we did the 
the cheesecake chant and it's just like okay yeah, that, that's weird but I, I don't really need to hear that song again sorry <laughs> you you mentioned uh I mean, obviously, I, I wish I was around in the 90s to experience fish the way it sounds like you got to experience fish where, you know, the band members themselves were active members of the group, the community. They were hanging out. You were able to kind of interact with them. Have you kept up with the band? Do you do you still talk to them? Like, what was it like first time meeting someone mm-hmm. in the band was it like starstruck or was it just like, nah, these dudes are on tour just like the rest uh, of us? Like, uh, I was, what, I was such a fanboy i'd embarrass myself to tell you those stories but you know just like i mean i remember in in uh dublin at uh at the show that they they did a, a european tour summer of 97 when they debuted a whole bunch of the, the ghost album in those first few shows mm-hmm. and getting to I mean, Paige was like at the door greeting us as we walked in the venue. <laughs> like, and and I, like, I played piano for 20 years. And so like, that's, that's something, you know, and I, I just like effervesced uh, at him. <laughs> and I, I, I might've even asked him if he would like consider giving me a piano lesson. For, I mean, just like, what, what did I think? But, um, (laughs) and, and so, yeah, like a lot of those, those interactions where I was, I was just, uh, you know, among the multitudes. And then when it came to my amputation and of course the notoriety that followed and the, the the publicity that came, um, that, uh, Seacott, uh, uh, told Trey, uh, I mean, just cause I was living in Aspen, Chris was over in Crested Butte, uh, you know, just a, a few dozen miles away, uh, over the mountains and that he knew like, Hey, that, that kid that cut his arm off, he's, he's a fish fan. And, and so he, he told Trey about what had happened to me. Uh, Trey's been out in the desert uh, a few times. Uh, there's, there's an old Trey band song, uh, drifting that's about him on a rafting trip, just floating underneath the stars above. And, uh, that he uh he wrote me a card that uh trey sent to me and and uh, invited me to come and and get to have uh you know bring some friends when you're out of the hospital uh and so it was like a month after uh not even a it was gosh it was uh i'm gonna say like 10 days after my last surgery um and only a month after escaping from the canyon itself and uh, i got to bring bunch of uh, like five friends uh, to the sound check at, at uh, a trade band show in, in Denver. And we, uh, we got to make dust angels on the floor of the venue in front of the band while they were doing their sound check. <laughs> and, I, mean, I was still plugged into an IV and Trey comes out like to my, my group of friends after the sound check and signs, you know, photographs that we've taken of the band printed out, like just cause we knew that we'd have the chance. <laughs> got several of those up in my uh. house. And, um, I mean, like, you know, I'm, I'm literally plugged into a, a hanging IV bag uh, while this we, we get to have dinner together. And at that time, Trey's grandma was still alive and, and was at the show and was at the dinner with us. And one of my friends, Brian, is sitting between Trey and, and Trey's grandma. And I'm sitting right and Trey's just like machine gunning questions at me. Uh, the entire time, <laughs> barely have a chance to answer before he's on to the next one, the next one, the next one. Uh, and, and the whole time I'm watching and, and, and 
you know, Terry's grandma was like 95 or so. I mean, she, she was pretty elderly. She must have asked my friend Brian three, four times. So what instrument do you play in the band again? You know, and, and, and he's <laughs> like the first few times, he's like, I don't, I don't play in the band. <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm here with, with my friend and, and again and again and again. So finally he's like, actually, I play guitar. <laughs> and she goes, yeah. oh that's funny my my grandson plays guitar <laughs> yeah he sure yep. does that uh, is so sweet but yeah that's i mean i'm i'm a i'm a pretty recognizable guy it's not like we hang out anymore uh it's been i'm gonna say it i mean ever ever really since i came back from rehab you know there's not like a backstage scene like that anymore there, there was for mm-hmm. a long time and we'd would catch up, uh, ended up flying on, on planes next to each other on occasion. Um, and that, uh, it was, it was fun, but they definitely, they, I mean, everybody knows what I look like. I'm, I'm pretty much the only guy, not only because of my <laughs> arm, but also because like, I never wear a shirt at a fish show, you know, yeah. uh, even, even indoors ever, the last year at Bethel Woods was the funniest thing. Cause after, you know, decades of, of being shirtless it shows it's it's at woodstock of all places where a lady tells me sir you have to put a shirt on here and i was i laughed i was like oh yes because you know woodstock was famously clothed <laughs> famous for dress <laughs> yeah, codes we have, we have to maintain respect on these parts no shirt no shoes no sir so i was like oh you're not kidding like and i put my shirt on like okay <laughs> and then she walked away and the shirt came <laughs> take it right yeah. off it's it's funny that you mentioned shirts because the fish shirt that james franco wears oh. in the movie while he's playing you is kind of what uh got us down this path of wanting to be in contact with you and so i was curious um how did you know how that came about in the movie were you actually wearing a fish shirt when it happened yeah. is that you know no, exactly all, yeah all um and and so and then there are photos like in my book uh but yeah i, I had a, a tour shirt which was from um, I'm going to say the shoreline shows, uh, that, um, that, uh, going back, you know, in, in 2000 at, at the end of that summer tour. And it was, uh, it, it was, it was a pretty busy kind of front piece that, uh, had like a fish on a, on a, on a horse riding with another fish, like <laughs> draped over the saddle of, of the other horse. Like he, you know, he's bringing in the outlaw. Um, and, and uh and so the but the color was that same like kind of salmon toned color um but that we we talked about it and because i yeah i was i was working with the the properties you know and costuming you know heads department on the film and and they said well what we found was another the front of another tour shirt from the same tour like it was the overall summer tour shirt so that was the sunflower and we put that on the shirt that you had on, which was the, like the specific like shoreline uh, show shirt. And so they, they blended it. So the shirt that he's wearing doesn't actually exist in, in like in real life. It was, it, but it was a mashup of two different shirts from the same tour. Uh, so that then it wasn't quite as distracting to the camera when it would have a close up of him and, and you wouldn't see this like, you know, weird, uh, and I'm getting, you know, weird because it's Jim Pollock, like, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so like a weird Pollock design, you know, fish riding a horse kind of a, a thing. Uh, they were just like, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, especially when it's 20 feet tall on the screen. Uh, 
But yeah, that, um, I think if, if you're referring to the fish on film, um, kind of like that, I, I got to see. I don't know if that's what like keyed you in about, uh, but they did a whole. It's a it's an Instagram, right? And they did a thing about um, about the shirt and like my involvement in the movie and the like all the fish references in the film and uh, that that sort of thing, which was uh, very well researched and, and highly accurate. I was impressed because I was like, wow. I mean, you didn't <laughs> talk to me about that, but that's like as if you had talked to me because there's not a lot of people that know the full story of that, but they figured it out. That's there's a one of one yeah. shirt then. Yeah, I mean, well, and, and so the ultimate merch. They actually, yeah, they they did a they did a series of them that said film crew, and so I've I've got a I've got a couple of those upstairs. Um, yeah, but it would it was it was That's like super awesome. bizarre. I mean, out there, uh, I was telling my kids about this because it's the 20th anniversary of my amputation coming up uh, in just a few weeks. I'm going to take my kids out to the canyon and go, and we're going to hike out to see the boulder and have kind of a commemoration of it. And, um, and there was a time when, during the filming, when they were on location at the actual Canyon and, and it's, a, it's a wilderness otherwise, but they had brought, they'd flown in, uh, like toilet trailers and shower trailers and, uh, like a whole, uh, catering setup. So there was a catering tent and a dining tent, uh, like with parquet <laughs> floor that they laid over the desert of the sand. There, I mean, it was, it was, you know, a, a, Production seventy people out there for a week in the desert, and at one point I'm out there on site, um, and in between a, a, a break in the shooting, and sitting with a half dozen of the stunt doubles and body doubles that they had. Um, so it's it's me at a table with five guys that look just like me, you know, just look like just like Jay Franco <laughs> looking like me, wearing my shirt. <laughs> Uh, in various states, oh uh, you know, some of them were were clean because they're just like for the camera lens to you know get get focus, and the other guys were actually you know like going to be on camera, uh, which meant they had like fake blood all over. And we're sitting there eating barbecue at this picnic table in the middle of a wilderness, <laughs> and I'm going to you know, this fucking weirdest picnic ever. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but a, yeah. a real, a real pleasure to be, uh, you know, just to like kind of wrap up uh, about the, the the film at least, like to, to be a part of that. And um, my only, I, I, I do tease sometimes that my only regret was that they they didn't have enough songs. You know, that I guess budget wise, they 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 couldn't they couldn't license a lot of fish songs to use. So the only song that's actually like in the movie is James Franco singing "Sleeping Monkey." And I've had to deal with a little bit with, um, right. you know, it's, it's, it's like not in my top 200 favorite fish songs, but, but apparently like right. now people think it's my favorite fish song. So I'll be at a show and every once in a while, like they play Sleeping Monkey and all of a sudden I'm getting like, you know, shoulder tugged and like, dude, it's your song. It's your song. <laughs> not I'm even. Not really, you know, it's, it's fun. Like, I think it's silly. It's, it's good enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, so what, what? Go ahead. I was just going to say, James Franco is like a bit of a method actor. Mm-hmm. Did he, did you get him into fish? Did you give him playlists? Like, how did he prepare for that? How did he prepare to play yeah. you? What was that like? Yeah, no, I mean, we, we did, uh, we did spend a lot of time together and I, <laughs> I probably overdid it. Like I was, I was, um, putting together, uh, you know, cause this was still back kind of in the late two thousands when I was working with the screenwriters and I, I would make, uh, yeah, mixed CDs for them. 
to like, okay, here's, here's a bunch of, you know, great jams. And, <laughs> and I think at a certain point they're like, yeah, all right, good enough, man. Like we, we get it. <laughs> <laughs> we get it. We've, we've heard this song six different ways yeah, yeah, now. Right. We got yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, uh, yeah, I'm a, a, all my, my, my top 10 favorite versions of bathtub gin, right? Um, <laughs> but I, it's not the nuance, I, all right? Yeah, yeah. You, no, you got to wait till like it's 13 minutes in. And that's where it gets. Like, oh, oh, God. Uh, yeah, I, there, um, Into the Wild was another film that Eddie Vedder had done the soundtrack for, right? Uh, pretty well known. And so, like, my, my little private fantasy that I talked about with my friends and then. I ended up doing an interview after like the project, the movie had gotten greenlit. So, like we're, we're going ahead with this, and I gave a, a kind of an off-script uh, interview to the local Aspen paper because the writer was my friend, and and he asked me, you know, have you, have you talked to like to Trey about writing the soundtrack? And I was like, I'm, I'm going to make that call tomorrow, <laughs> and, and he published this. And actually, Jason Colton with Fish's Management called me up and it's like, uh, we we heard that you might be interested in, in having. Trey write the soundtrack for the for the movie that you're working on and, and we'd be interested to discuss that and unfortunately the next call I got was from the from the producer of the film saying we can't have you out there talking about this kind of stuff <laughs> that's not what we're going to be doing <laughs> oh, but I, I had to try I gotta take, uh, you gotta take the shot <laughs> but yeah maybe yeah. if we'd had another 10 million on the, on the film project we could have gotten it <laughs> I don't know it could have been 10, the 10 Oscar nominations. Yeah, yeah, the next, yeah, on the next one. I just got to figure out how to cut my other arm off, and then we're good. We're golden. We got <laughs> on it. How, how far would you go for a personal relationship with Trey? <laughs> I mean, there's, there's another reason I have my shirt off at shows, but no. <laughs> well, that's how you cut uh, the vortex, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, and I mean, not, said, to, Trey, not, to, not to like, you know, like set aside Mike, like, you know, he, he holds the band together. I, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm dancing to Mike, but I am listening to, to Trey. So like, that's, that's how it goes with me. But I know everybody's got their factions and although it's, uh, yeah, even, even Fishman, I love, uh, we've got, we've got a friend who's just like dances to Fishman the entire show. And so, yeah, right on Maggie, you're on it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, when you were kind of uh, putting the mixtapes together for everyone on set, did yeah. you ever successfully convince anyone to join you at a show? Did you convert any fans during that experience? <laughs> I, I I can't say that I did. I I think for for a lot of folks, I, and and this is I wasn't exactly trying to evangelize or proselytize because I I think um, I I probably burned out my um, uh, yeah <laughs> my desire my my uh whatever reservoir of uh, of that kind of like zealotry that that i'd had on, on the, the you know the first the first like half dozen girlfriends that i tried like really hard to convert to mm-hmm. even my my now ex-wife like um and and to varying degrees uh my my current partner allison had already been introduced to to fish and had seen a half dozen shows although like all kind of like, oh, we roll in late, we're at the back of the venue, like there's 20,000 people in front of us and that's good enough. Like we're, we're there, but we're having our own experience. Um, but our first date was that first night at, at Dick's after the canceled curveball, which was a huge energy show. Just the band came in with all this, mm-hmm. and much the, as they did 
after that thunderstorm and, and in a couple other occasions, like, you know, pent up fish is, is some of my favorite fish, like the music that they, that they just like after the pandemic playing 20, 30 minute jams, every show, uh, that's that's like that's 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 what I love. I mean, 2021 may may stand alone forever in my mind. I think it rivals any of the best periods of fish like over their entire career uh, for, for what they, they were doing and how it how it spoke to me. But so I get introduced to Allison at set break at that Friday show um, in in 2018. And that second set, then I'm like, hey you're cool. Like come back up front with me. And, and her life has changed forever. She's, she's now seen <laughs> in, in the last five years. She's, uh, yeah, she's seen another like 75 shows and they've all been wow. down, down front. Uh, Cause she realized like, Oh, this is, this is even better. <laughs> oh, this yeah. is why you go. And, I and, see. And she's so social and lovely. And like, I, I mean, I, I say, I kind of ride her coattails. Uh, I, I definitely know that in, in the fish community, People might see me as being like you know, the, somebody who's well known, but um, I, I look at her and I'm like, yeah, but she, she's she's the reason I'm here. <laughs> is that I I uh, yeah I, I see myself as being the lucky one in the relationship because she's just the best and 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 she she has gone in even harder. I think that uh, now than than I did in the early years. Like it it took me yeah. It, it took me a long time until I got to my hundredth show. I think it was after the first hiatus, uh, um, even after the second hiatus, it was until uh, 2011 when I when I hit a hundred. And here she'll she'll hit hers, and probably by next year, if not um, yeah, if not this year. So in just a, a matter of like yeah, half the time that it took me to get to the same that same benchmark. But anyways. Yeah, she's she's the best. <laughs> she have her on next. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll play her this. Yeah, yeah. thanks. <laughs> uh, so, kind of looking at that topic of being well known at fish because that kind of is the backbone for this interview series. Um, what is that? I mean, because you've had that experience of being at fish, well known and not. You know, what changes? when people start to know you, does the experience change? Is it the same? Um, there's, <laughs> there, there can be some moments, um, you know, especially, uh, that when somebody, uh, I mean, very, very touching moments when somebody might, um, as, as doesn't happen out in the world quite as often, but in the fish community where, uh, someone might come up and, and introduce themselves and say that my story has touched them and, you know, maybe it was because of a, a time that they'd gone through some darkness in their life and that I my story to encourage them they want to ask for a picture together and uh, that that's I mean that's just a beautiful part uh, of, of, of of what of what that is and then there's also another side of it which I kind of alluded to when when I haven't been at my finest and I also like come to realize later on like oh yeah and you know I'm not just your anonymous fan out there either like there's probably a you know, number of folks in the community still, that, you know, and I have been, I've been an asshole at times and I'm not proud of that. And I, I want to at least take a moment to publicly apologize for you know, transgressions that, um, again, I mentioned about like getting into, getting into fights because I thought I was the right person to, to enforce the rules as I saw them. And that's just not cool. Um, but yeah, so there's there's upsides and downs to to being someone of, of notoriety. If uh, and, and, but it's mostly really positive because that 
I, I, I'm very blessed that what I went through, I see as a gift that not just happened to me, but for all of us uh, to remind us what's possible in our lives, that what we might be capable of, what, what's important to us, and that um, the, the things that we, we might see as being horrific or, or a, a tragedy that we get to make choices about, too. And as I see what happened for me as being one of the most beautiful episodes in my life and something that I'm deeply grateful for, that I, I feel like it's it's given me the, the most precious lessons, too. Of course, you value what you've paid a deep cost for. And I feel like that place and that experience, uh, it, it it, it wasn't that I lost something there, but that I've, I've gained from from that and for 20 years now that I've gotten to share that. And so to know that it's resonated with somebody, I've even occasionally heard from people who said that it saved their life from a suicidal attempt or a depression, that um, I, I know the importance that, that's there uh, for all of us. And, and as much as when I talk about it, it reminds me that like, yeah, I can, I can be there are times when my days feel like it's all anxiety and pain and frustration and overwhelm and, and, and there's also a whole lot of beauty and, and that love to come back to that over and over again. Sometimes it's like, yeah, well, what do I need now? I, I go hop on my bike, uh, put my, put my headphones in, pull up one of my playlists on the live fish and uh, I crank and, and, and like, you know, it doesn't take long. Sometimes it's 15 minutes and all of a sudden, like, I'm in such a much better place. There's an old line from a Marley tune that says, like, when the music hits, you feel no pain. And that's, that's what Fish does for me over and over. It's time for a word from our sponsors. Hey, listeners, I want to tell you about one of our great partners, DistroKid. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100% of their royalties and earnings. If you're a musician and looking to get your music out there, DistroKid is the way to go. DistroKid is available for iOS and Android and is now available in Apple's App Store and the Google Play Store. More than a million artists rely on DistroKid to get their music onto Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all other major streaming services. And with DistroKid, you can upload new releases, see your financial progress, get notified when you've earned royalties, withdraw money from the app, view and share links, check your streaming stats, and a whole lot more. DistroKid has more features than any other music distributor. Check them out today. Go to distrokid.com, that's distrokid with a capital K, dot com slash VIP slash undermine for a special offer only for our listeners. That's distrokid, capital K, dot com slash VIP slash undermine. Thanks, distrokid. There's obviously something to the idea of kind of expanding your mind Mm -hmm. when fish is involved. And I think a lot of people look at fish as, you know, purely a drug band or a party band or something like that. And I think what we've realized, you know, talking to a lot of people for this series there's a huge spectrum of how people like to enjoy mm-hmm. fish. And so, you know, what is, if you're comfortable talking about it, like how do you, how do you ideally enjoy a fish show? Is it sober? Is it less than sober? What's, what's. Yeah. No, I mean, and I've, I've been through the, the gamut. I mean, especially in a, in a younger time in my life where, um, it, you know, I'd, I'd have to have a second hand in order to count up all the, the things that I was, I was doing in a show. Uh, and I'm, 
well past that point in my life anymore. Uh, it's like mostly it's, it's like those, those shirts that say, you know, like summer tour, I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> I just, I, I just can't, I just can't. I need sleep, man. I don't go to after parties most of the right. time because like I'm going back to get rested and then you know, sleep 11 hours so I can do, do it, it all over again. again. Otherwise I can't do it again. <laughs> um, and, and I really appreciate and admire. I've got friends who are, who are sober and uh, you know are part of the uh, the fellowship and you know, one show at a time. And, and I, I have such deep respect and, and gratitude and and love dancing. You know, with with like my uh, a friend will you know pop down and have a dance and like oh man that was my, the highlight of my show when she showed up and and you know. And, and again, like she's having a sober experience. Um, I'm, I'm probably not, uh, but it might just be one thing, not five things or more uh, at this, yeah, at this right, point. Right. And, <laughs> That's maturity. Yeah. And, and for me, it's a little bit of uh, like, uh, I mean, I, I don't drink. Uh, that's just, that's not my, that's not my thing. Uh, it's, it's been a lot of years since, because it just makes me feel too awful. And, uh, and, and so with my girlfriend and I both got to that point, especially like it was kind of a, a pandemic transition for us uh, that, that we moved away from that. I used to just love like really nice tequila and it was like, man, that's my thing. Um, and, you know, on a rare occasion have, have a tiny amount with a, a nice dinner, but not at a show uh, because that was, I, I just started recognizing, Oh, there, like there are things that are contributing to what I saw and what was being pointed out to me as bad behavior. Uh, and, and I realized, yeah, there, there mm. a couple of times. I mean, at Dick's, uh, I, I remember they. It used to be that you could go up down any aisle, leaving the floor to get up to the concourse. Uh, and you know, six years ago, at some point that they they changed that so that there were down aisles and there were up aisles. And it's kind of like still like who knows what it's going to be next year. Uh, sometimes they they go with that program, they don't. But uh, I remember that there was there was one night when it felt, it felt like they had changed it in the middle of the run. It was like, wait, last night I was allowed to go down this way. Now you're telling me I, I, I just came up, I can't go down. And then it gets to where like a police officer comes over and is like, is there a problem? And I'm standing there with a big, you know, like 24 ounce beer in my hand and just yelling <laughs> at this police officer that like, you can't change it up in the middle of the, sh- like, like tell- and, and my friend, my friend's like a fair point. You yeah, shouldn't you know, my do friend's that. Pulling me at the show, like, dude, that's a cop. That's a cop. Like, stop. <laughs> and like, Oh yeah. All right. Maybe being, being, you know, tipsy is the best, uh, you know, platform to be approaching that kind of a situation. So I've, I've learned, I've learned lessons along the way with it. And, uh, I think we all have like you overindulge. Uh, there were, there was a show back in the late nineties that I ended up having to walk out of before the music even started down in Las Cruces. And, um, uh, because of, you know, an overindulgence and, uh, and, and end up like collapsing on the grass outside the doors. Um, to where then like paramedics come over and uh, like <sighs> I come up like gasping for air because right. I convinced myself that I'd forgotten how to breathe. Oh, no. <laughs> it happens yeah, more yeah. than you think. <laughs> uh, and then they, they took me back in the show and, and, I, and I'm like, I'm in the medical area in the back and they, they go get one of my friends. It's like, and I was, I was coherent enough that I could tell them exactly what seat we were in and they go and they retrieve my friend who comes and, and, the, and they, they bring me back. Um, 
music starts playing, but I eventually even had to leave the show a second time and just take myself back to the to the hotel. Uh, and and you know it's it's not great when it ruins your show. Uh, you have some kind of a, an interaction that's uh, just I, I I've gotten into like medical distress. And, and it, it's resolved with like, okay, I know we've, we've got, we've got our water, we've got our electrolytes, we've got some calories, like, okay, you know, reset, good, fine. Um, but uh, you, you don't want to be that burden on, on your friends, you don't want to you know, do that to, to yourself. And, um, and at the same time, I'm going to say on the other side of it, uh, the, the, for, for the transcendental aspect of it, to get your ego out of the way, mm-hmm. to like to have that experience where you're just the flow of energy. And, and especially then when it maybe hits that, right. that point uh, of, of where you really are connected with the band and they're like, they're, they're, they're taking what you, you're putting out there. Um, that that's, you know, there's also that side of it too. And, and uh, I, um, you know, I, I appreciate that, Oh, in, in large regard that it's it's a lot of folks, especially in that upfront area, uh, that have have well learned their lessons in buzz management and how to you know be copacetic mm-hmm. and, and to, to be positive and um, to you know, and, and to be there for others if, you know if when somebody needs some assistance. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, I don't know kind of my roundabout way of, of answering and. and yeah, keeping keep, keeping it kind of uh, you know a little close to the chest too, <laughs> protecting yeah, the innocent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have uh, I have two questions sure. kind of stemming off from that that are related. Um, one is something you kind of alluded to earlier, which is the added element of like some people just know who you are. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's a certain uh, I find kind of freeing experience in fish of the total anonymity of it. You're just one person in the crowd you know, if your eyes are a little crazy, nobody's going to know or connect it to kind of like your day job version of you. When that, when that wall erodes, when, when people look at you and know who you are and there's kind of no being anonymous in the crowd, does that change the experience? Um, it's not, it's not a super frequent thing. And it's, it's, it's less about like a stranger recognizing me from like, Oh, you know, the movie. Um, but it's more like I'm, I, I get that anonymity and I love being like kind of just lost in the throng of it and, and being able to step aside from like the guy up on stage or something like that. Um, and yet like, especially because you're in that group where we're all friends and we all know each other so well, there's again, like not as much of an anonymity to it, just as much as like of, of all those other people that I know pretty personally too. Um, that, uh, so there's, there's a, there's accountability. I think that's a good way to say it. Uh, and, and, and that's part of how I think some of my changes in, in, in my behavior, uh, have, have come because, you know, my friends and, and our, part of our team, our crews have, have like helped me push, uh, turn over a new leaf, you know, and, and move into a, a, a more positive, uh, uh, yes, as one of my, my friends told me, it's like, I see you being more of the general giant and not the enforcer here. So, let's go with that yeah, that's it. right on I'll, I'll do it um yeah you it's uh, I, I i love that though about about the kind of like being able to lose yourself like that's that mm. man how much of our lives we're, we're spent wrapped up in our egos and our identity and, and, and the this, this sense of that we are um it, you know our thoughts are all about us and and, and therefore we think we're the center of the universe and, and to, to 
let main character syndrome. Yeah, yeah, and to let let go of it, uh, and and to just, I mean, there's so much, like, I, I guess, just to say, like therapy that happens for for a lot of us. But I, I know for me, uh, to be there to to be able to just man dance your ass off and to feel like you shook it all out, and there's ah, there's such a, a an unburdening and a and a freedom that that then is, is there, and, and that you can like sit in that that place um that post-show kind of glow and experience uh, and it just you had you had the best time and it, it can remind you that life is is beautiful <laughs> I, i've been enjoying shows by myself mm. more and more where i realized that like yeah the, fr- the friends are great and I, I love having a crew and and that's great but that meditation mm. state that we were kind of talking about earlier that you could kind of drop into when you, when you're just, you're releasing everything around you and you're just kind of absorbing that moment that you're in. I don't know other bands that both encourage that, sing about that. And then also every, you, you look around the room and you realize like, you're not alone in that. There's, there's 20,000 people meditating in the mm-hmm. garden basically at any given moment. And that's, that energy is insane. That's a weird, powerful thing that like, where else does that oh, even yeah. happen? Church. Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. There, there is a term for that. It's called collective effervescence. Mm-hmm. And it's like my obsession talking about this as it comes as a term, you know, it relates to fish, which is, it, it's very powerful to be a part of a crowd that is united in that experience, in that message. And I think it definitely relates to music as well. Cause when you think about that happening in church, it's like revival churches and gospel, which is not all that dissimilar from what, you know, reviving to. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I had this thought and this is not a sober thought in Mexico by any means, but you know, I think it was actually during that golden age that you referenced as well. You know, I was sitting there dancing and I was like, this, I can, I can see the through line all the way back to like the Mayans. Like uh, we're about to like bring out the virgin and sacrifice. You know what I mean? Like it really, I could, I could feel the thousands of years of like human yearning and, and, you know, the dinosaur mind that we're all angling towards this for some reason and have been for millennia. You know, you, you, this is a bit of a spun out thought. Oh, but, yeah, but you're, you're- you're experiencing yeah. the entire like <laughs> evolution uh, of life on earth <laughs> into, yeah. this, into this moment. Well, I mean, yep. it, it's uh, I, I, that that transcendence, that, and it's I think it's the openness, like you're getting at, James, that, that there's an mm. open heartedness. We all show up because, yeah, I mean, there's there's that little part of it of, uh, of us that like is is chasing a song that, that we haven't seen or that we've like seen very few times or that the that maybe there's like our top five favorites that we're hoping they'll, they'll play one or two of those that there's there's that part of it and i think the more experienced as you go or at least my my experience as i've become more experienced is much the same as i've uh, in in outdoor mountaineering uh that, that it, you have to yes there might be something that gets you out the door that that you show up with some expectation and yet also to be open to whatever it is that happens and and because that's you know it's the journey is the destination kind of a thing to 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 be able to, right. to appreciate what's what you're a part of and what's coming at you what the band is doing and and I love the the experience when I when I get to where I'm, I'm really open uh, and seeing how the the band is playing us like, yeah, they might be yeah, doing things right. with their fingers and it's being like, 
you know, it's going through all kinds of <laughs> resistors and transducers and amplifiers and all the rest of it that, that, that then is like, you know, creating a sound, but that they're playing the crowd. And that sometimes it's not even as much the, the sounds that they're making, but if you watch like in a, in a, a venue that's in the round, like MSG, uh, where Trey will like cause the wave to happen with his eyes, just like as he turns yes. and goes around and, <laughs> and, you know, and that's just him like, like doing that with his gaze and making everybody go, Whoa, I saw that happen. At us. <laughs> you know? Yes. On New Year's, New Year's, the New Year's show during first tube, oh. I noticed that happened for the first time and yeah. I was in awe. I was like, he's conducting the audience. Yeah. It was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. <laughs> um, so that actually, that kind of relates to the second question that I'd wanted to ask you before, mm-hmm. which is, you know, being someone who rides the rail regularly, and I'm curious if you guys have ever discussed this or thought about this, you know, with the band being sober now, do you feel like an obligation or like, you know, a, a, a sense of like, I don't want to be too obviously spun out or drinking too obviously because like you are going to be face to face with Trey, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Is there yeah, a reluctance there to be? I, I mean, I think, I, I think it's a balance. Uh, I mean, it's, it's like um, mm. where you might enjoy a drink at a party so that you're a little more loose and like conversational and you're, you're, you're more ready to laugh. You're a little less inhibited. And, and so, you know, maybe, um, I mean, maybe it's a, you know, a meditation that you do before or that there's like whatever your preparation is. And for some folks it might be sparking up or having a beverage or, you know, taking a drop or whatever else it is uh, that, that, that brings you so that you're, you're ready and you're a part of it and you're open and you're bringing your, you know, like the, maybe the person that you want to be. And maybe it's that you're doing that sober. And, and like I said, I, I know that mm-hmm. there's a lot of quality folks who are, who are doing it that way too. We have some uh, rapid fire questions for you, mm-hmm. if you don't mind. And uh, uh, we, I think we've learned the answers to some of these during this talk, but we'll make them explicit now um, because the first question is, do you prefer floor seats? Oh uh, yeah, no, yeah, definitely floor. There you go. <laughs> um, and what's your favorite song and what's your bathroom song? Oh. <laughs> uh, you know, my favorite song, and, and I'll say it's it, like, I, I know I, I, I talked about some of my favorites, but it's, it's really, it's less the song than it is the moment in the jam where it gels and, and it, it's, it's the, the, when that thing happens uh, with the, the guys in the band and the audience and, and that maybe it's uh, that there's like, just the, the slinky groove that like they step up a level and that then Trey starts to, to like hit a, a, a key melody riff over top that he's willing to like go with for a little bit. And, and that then they, mm-hmm. like, they really get to like lock in on it. Um, that whenever that happens, that's my favorite song. Uh, and you know, <laughs> bathroom songs might be more along the lines of the, the, the ones where, that isn't likely to happen. Um, <laughs> and, and, and sometimes I'll even joke that like, or the first three minutes of just about any song, uh, like, cause I know like, this isn't, this isn't the thing I came for. Like, this is going to be the part that is the same every time. Mm. And then I'll probably skip and fast forward when, when I'm listening to it again at home anyways, you know, except if it's, uh, uh, like my girlfriend and I, we love destiny unbound and man, we, we just, uh, explode you know, after the, um, you know, the incidents where the fan 
jumped, died in San Francisco during that song. And, and we kind of felt like yeah. out of respect, the band wasn't playing it and maybe they would never play it again. And we were feeling a lot of loss. Uh, and, and then we were there like four people back, uh, right in, 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 in the, in the sweet spot at, uh, at Alpine Valley when, when they, they busted that out, uh, and man, jumped like we just jumped through our skin at, at like how much we love that song. Um, which again, a lot of times it's it's that's not that's not going to be a big jam tune, but we just we love dancing to it, and singing it to one another. So. Um, yeah, I've I've tried in my years. This is not a short answer to this this question, but I mean, <laughs> it's a complicated question. I used, I used to joke about fire. having like you know one of those Abercrombie and Fitch shirts that that that. You know, had a listing of, of songs that went down and that were my least favorite songs. And then if if they played any of those songs, like I got my money back, um, that, would, that would be my joke. <laughs> my joke. But uh, I've tried to move on and be like, okay, even songs that I didn't really appreciate maybe the first 15 or 20 times I heard them that I've, I've come around on, um, or even if it was just five or six times. But like sometimes uh, a song... I, I, did, I didn't especially love five 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 or mull uh, in in the the early years of those songs and now like they've they've there've been versions of it that have really hit for me and so like oh I'm open to it now all good yeah so that's what I say there's no bad fish songs except maybe one uh, <laughs> just songs you haven't learned to love yet yeah you know <laughs> it's like okay ocelot maybe not my favorite but hey I know I've got five minutes to hit the head and get back here so like yes and then I'll, right. I'm here for the dance <laughs> yeah. Uh, Take a I know, crazy walk. Like efforts down the number line, and I get it. Like, uh, it, 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 it's like almost a song that they created that they wrote strictly to get us to sing along, and look at our friends, and hug, and like you know, think. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I almost feel manipulated into into like, but it's like it's a dance party, and after those first five minutes, like, God, like yeah, okay, I don't like this song, but look how I'm dancing, I love it. <laughs> Numberline is my favorite song. Oh, uh, I get made fun of for it all the time. Uh, yeah. But, okay. you know, that song comes on and all my friends are excited. Show me one person who's not dancing. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's like, I saw a meme that once that was um, like the meme from Tommy Boy where oh. they're in the convertible and it's like, should we put it on? No. Yeah, no, we don't want to hear that. And then the next scene is them both like, happy, happy, <laughs> like singing yeah, along exactly. together. <laughs> I, yeah, the, the song that we, we love to hate and almost hate to love, but we do. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of my standout moments from Mexico because mm. James was kind of hanging back because he does get nervous about being a tall guy in the front. And it's so anxiety. We heard those opening riffs of Numberline come on, and he and another friend of ours made a beeline, and we got to all dance it out together, and it was a really special uh-huh. experience. Oh, yeah. it was great. And then I think it was either right before or right after Simple, which is also another, just because of the name of this show. Got it kind of felt like you were standing right up front and just getting, you were getting the hose. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Man, I mean, yeah, like when... When that's happening, and I mean, so many times, especially as I've gotten older, maybe it's like my menopause or whatever is happening in my in my life. But, uh, <laughs> that that I, I find myself just sobbing. I mean, like like not knowing that that was mm. coming, kind of coming out of nowhere. Maybe it's a piper, maybe it's a slave of the traffic light, and just like clutching and like uh, jumping out of like uh, you know not 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 a t- like a depressed sob, but but this just 
like th- that effervescence that it's like, oh, there's just something that's coming up out of me. And, and oh, I'm so happy that they do that for us. There's a, a Joseph Gordon-Levitt interview that I think he did with um, Sirius where he was crying, mm. you know, really choked up talking about the reason he loves fish. I mean, it's not, it, it is the band, of course, but it's also the experiences that you have with your friends centered around the band mm-hmm. and kind of the backdrop that they provide yeah, yeah. for you to have these experiences and, and these feelings. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. So, uh, yeah, again, we've, we've kind of gone into this a little bit, but uh, sober show or not? And if not, what is your substance mm. of choice? Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's mostly not. Um, and uh, <laughs> that I, I, I just like I like having uh, yeah, some energy uh, that, that helps me like kind of get get out of that, like over identification with with my own experience and to be open and. So it's, uh, again, I'm, I'm going to be a little vague here, but that it's, uh, yeah, it's something that I find enhances the, the positivity and, and, and the love that, that I, I get to, I get to experience and share with folks. Uh, that's yeah. So it, yeah, might make my eyes look a little funny too, but it's, uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> that's why we bring our sunglasses to walk out. <laughs> that's right. Never forget your, your sunnies. Your nice shades. <laughs> yeah, um, all right. You're <laughs> so what is your favorite venue to see fish in? Oh, uh, well, uh, like Dick's is, is right up there. I, I, I always love Thompson Mac, MSG, the, the Mexico shows, uh, and um, I mean, I've, I've gotten a chance to, to see put them play in a lot of like the big classics. I've never gotten to see them in, in Hampton. Um, that, uh, that would, that would be a, a real kind of, a, I, don't know, I don't know, just, it's like one of those gaps in, in my, in my career list that, that I've missed out. And so some, someday perhaps, um, but, uh, I love I love the west the west coast shows shoreline uh, even even down south like in San Diego and Chula Vista uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing them at the Greek because I've seen other bands and Trey play but yeah next week uh, or I don't know when this it's might my first yeah, time. by the time this airs and that might be in the past tense but yeah, I'm <laughs> excited for that uh, so I don't know, favorite venue it's always the next one. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good answer great answer great no one said that before but that's a great one um and then so this last question you know i've been asking this as if it's a dichotomy but now i'm realizing there's a third answer because i'd never heard of the tragina before <laughs> but are you uh, a page side or a my side guy yeah no, I, I, my 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 favorite place is to, is to be about uh, uh, I'm going to say you know 10 yards back from Trey himself so that might you know depending on the venue it's uh, it, it could be like you know third row or maybe it's more like fifth row but um, depending on you know like the pit gap that, that's there um, in front of the fence uh, but yeah just uh, just kind of a little bit back and preferably um not quite like where his microphone uh, stand is, is like in his face. I, I might like to be just a, a hair off to one side or another because then it's easier to, yeah, it's like see, um, especially what his, what his hands are doing. Um, but that's, yeah, that's my favorite. That's my sweet spot. Uh, I, I didn't come up with that, but it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll steal it. 
<laughs> That's a great one. So this is not one of our rapid fire questions, but I wanted to ask uh, about Trey's rapid fire questions. When he oh. was peppering you with questions at your meal, I'm curious what he was curious about. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was. Um, oh, he was asking me about my favorite songs. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what do you want to hear tonight? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was, it was about my experience. Uh, it was, it was about like how I got trapped and what was going through my head and how, like, what, what did it feel like? And about what I was thinking about, what, you know, I talked about, uh, like saying goodbye to my family and like, Oh, who did you talk to? What did you say? It's just, it was, it was wow. all that like, Oh, what, did, what did it feel like when you were actually cutting your arm? And like, wow, do you think you were going to die? It was, I mean, it, it was all the, the questions that you could think somebody might ask, but instead of it taking two hours, it took like 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know immediately that you were going to write a book about mm. all this? And when you had to kind of dive into your own creative process, what role or how much influence was seeing other weirdos make something they love <laughs> and succeed with it? Like, do those things relate like was it you just knew you were gonna write a book or like how, how do you get there um I, I i came to it pretty quickly and it was uh, it was because i was in the hospital i'm in the icu i, I mean i it was in the immediate aftermath but all of a sudden it's on cnn uh like i come to from having been transported and gone through surgery uh, and i realize i'm alive um, I mean, this is like in the, the immediate hours after I've been evacuated from the canyon and I've mm-hmm. barely not died from bleeding to death and, and see that it's it's on the like the, the little Chiron at the bottom seeing the Colorado hiker amputated arm in Utah slot canyon in critical condition. And I was kind of looking around like, I guess that's me, but why am I on CNN? And uh, to understand that it had an effect on people and then very quickly, I mean, the letters and cards and flowers and, and stories that I started hearing again about like, um, there was a very, there was one that I, I've, I've mentioned because it, it just, I mean, it still touches me that within the week, I'm still in the ICU. This, this letter arrives and the, uh, it was a grandmother from the Seattle area who'd said that she had been depressed ever since her husband had passed away that she had been considering using his leftover sleeping pills to kill herself on the anniversary of his death that was coming up and that she had happened to read about what had happened to me in a people magazine uh, that had like you know, had my story in it that week um, that it was fresh in the news. And she said that if there had been something that, it, that you had, that it kept you going, even when you, it was as hopeless as, as could possibly seem for you, then I, I knew that there must be something for me. And I found that it was my four grandchildren. And so this morning I flushed those pills down the toilet and I resolved that, that I was not going to do that. Just like you were, you were not going to die in that, in that Canyon. And that was, and, and then many more of those kinds of letters, but particularly to understand that this, this didn't happen just for me or for my know friends to talk about over a campfire sometime but that it was for all of us in the world and that was that was where it got to really clear i need to turn this into a legacy and one of the best ways to do that in my mind was to write a book and then eventually to have the film made and to i mean i've I've spent 20 years talking about on stage you know do a couple dozen speaking events a year and it's it's inevitable every time i get off stage there's somebody who's perhaps in tears even but who's just been through it in their life who comes up and sometimes we don't even i don't even 
have to ask or get to get get an answer it's just we share a hug and i know that like that's why i was here today was to to help somebody when they're in that place because we all we all need the helping hand and sometimes that reminder of what's inside of us of what we're here for um, about the importance of love in our lives and the, and the way i see it is that especially our family's love the, the the closest relationships we have that's what gives us the strength the courage the the perseverance, the resilience, the grit, the determination is everything that we might possibly need that comes from those relationships and that love. And that's how we can not even just survive or overcome something, but even take it and and turn it to the, the greatest thing that's ever happened for us because of the growth that it, that it, it might um, it proliferate into our lives, that, that we put that work in again with it the strength and the backing of, of our relationships, our family. And that's how uh, we, we get to mature into the people that we are here to become. Uh, and that's, um, I've, I've said that as, as again, people know me as the guy that cut his arm off, but it's like, I'm the guy who was smiling when he cut his arm off because I, I got to that place, even while I was trapped to find gratitude for what was happening for me. And that's possible for all of us in our lives that, that we can, in the midst of a crisis, you plant the seed that I will take this, I will turn it to an advantage, I will become someone in my future uh, that this is here to serve me for, and so I can find not a, not you know resistance to it, but actually to welcome it into my life. And how better than you know in, in that sense of, of finding that welcoming, that gratitude, uh, even for the darkest, the, the biggest boulders in our lives, and that that's how we. Uh, that we ultimately can it can just be at peace. Uh, that like, oh, I, I accept this. I'm, I'm good with it. I grow from it, and that's uh, yeah, that's up to us. Oh yeah, thanks. <laughs> that's really beautiful, and also the lesson I'm gonna tell myself every time I lose the lottery from here on out. <laughs> <laughs> I will grow from this. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the lottery um, thing, you, you, don't, you don't always win. Uh, a lot of times you get skunked and still that's like all those relationships again, you know, uh, maybe you get a chance to pass off a blanket to say like, I'll, I'll be first one in right behind all the numbered folks. And you know, it's like, I'll, I'll, I'll bring the good vibes. Uh, if, if you give, give me a spot to be with you. And so it's uh, you kind of, yeah, you, you trade off. Sometimes you win and you help bring in some some friends and you know, it's reciprocity that's all there. Um, but again, about we, yeah. we take care of each other, right? Like, uh, we're here to, to, to propagate all that, all that positivity. Well, we're all in this together. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've given us like a, a really nice framework of thinking about things um, mm-hmm. that I know I'm going to take away with me today. That's pretty special. Mm-hmm. So I just want to know what the experience was like and what the feeling was like when you got the news that Trey wanted to come hang out with you. Uh, well, yeah, you invited me. I mean, yeah, that letter, <laughs> that card, um, it's, I still have it. Uh, at the end of it, he even wrote that, like, I, I don't know if you have kids, but you're going to make a hell of a dad someday. <laughs> and I, oh. I appreciate yeah, I And that's, oh, that's really special, too, because that you had that vision, yeah. right? That was part of kind of what 
um, you had a vision of yourself uh, with your arm amputated playing with a kid, yeah. and that was part of what made you hold on, right? Exactly. That's really that was. He, did he know that? At, he didn't know that at the no, time. No, no, right? no. I mean, he, he he wrote that that letter. I mean, with, within weeks, like I think before I'd even maybe even given the first wow. press conference that um, uh, that I did, but uh, yeah, it uh, it certainly is one of the most like metaphysically powerful components to this very intense, incredible experience that I had was, yeah, the vision of that little, that little boy who would become my future son, whose name is Leo. He's now 13. And, and I'm not going to say I'm an incredible dad. Like I definitely am doing my best and trying to do better each day. Um, keep, keep working at it and striving. That's my growth point and how I'm trying to apply all the lessons to mature and to being, yeah, just, um, a little better, a little better, and a little better uh, for for him and for my daughter Elizabetta. Uh, so yeah, they. It's it's also how I know like if 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 this did ever come down to like okay yeah it's time for a sequel like I'd, I'd cut my other hand off <laughs> with, with an even <laughs> an even bigger smile than what I alluded to yeah especially to protect uh, the relationship uh, with them to get back to them. Um, but yeah, that's how I got through that last night when I'd, I'd even etched my my epitaph into the wall of the canyon above my shoulder, um, and then that little boy appeared in that vision, and I knew okay if that's to come true, which I I understood it was a deja vu. This is like that's that's gonna that will come to pass in, in my life in a few years, um, and that meant I had to get through this, and I was going to get out of there, and that that changed everything for me. But yeah, he did he didn't know about that. And, um, and it's so uh, so it's See, something something yeah, in there new yeah it's, it, yeah there's uh I, again i think it just it, it always comes back to love uh and, and like that connection with that you know with, with the vision of that child i also had visions of my mom um and telling me to hold on that they were coming that, that i would they would she would get me home which she did she executed this whole search and rescue to, to, to make it happen that the helicopter plucked me out of there. So I had minutes left to live. So there's so much that, that love does for us. And, and I, I, yeah, I, I, okay, the, 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 to synthesize this is to say that there's, there's so much of the overlap that then is there and it's up to us to keep practicing it. You know, we're going to fall, we're going to falter and, and, and fail and, um, and to keep coming back to what is, what is true and what is positive and that's yeah we, we put out that love i've had uh i've had this running through my head since you mentioned drift while you're sleeping earlier mm-hmm. but just that notion that like love will carry you through i think that really is kind of the yeah. the big theme and takeaway of this episode yeah uh, yeah aaron thank you man this is yeah. great yeah this is really special yeah. thank you yeah. truly truly appreciate your time and and stories and wisdom and and candor it's it's been awesome man we've got a band is presented by section 119 and osiris media created by gabrielle bluestone and james dell executive producers are gabrielle bluestone james dell rjb and matt dwyer edited by rjb audio production by matt dwyer marketing by nick sejas and eric limarenko art by mark dowd Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. 
Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Osiris.